Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the City's Podcast. Formerly, he's known as His Excellency, the Most Reverend Louis Tilka, Bishop of the Peoria Catholic Diocese. But to thousands, he's also known as Bishop Lou. And this month, Bishop Tilka took over as the ninth bishop of the Catholic faithful in the Illinois Quad Cities, but also down to Monmouth, Galesburg, Peoria, and then all the way east to the Indiana border. It's home to about 132,000 Catholics, less than 10% of the entire population in that region. And those numbers, which have been falling, is a concern for the church as well as this bishop. We talked with Bishop Tilka from his offices in Peoria. You said that you still feel unworthy of this office. Is that just modesty? Well, it, it's uh, a real feeling inside knowing that uh, I have my limitations. I have my own sinfulness. Uh, I have my own self-doubts. But, uh, you know, that, that sense of inadequacy is certainly overcome by the grace of the Spirit who gives me the, the, the guidance necessary and the strength each day to try to do what the Lord has asked me, which is now to serve as bishop. You've been a co-adjutor to Bishop Jenke now for about 19 months. You said that you've traveled throughout the diocese. Uh, I guess, first off, what have you learned about the church and what have you learned about this region uh, in these last 19 months? Church is uh, very much alive uh, in our diocese. Uh, there's wonderful, faithful people who love the Lord, who love the church, uh, who want to do good and want to grow closer to the Lord each and every day. So uh, there's a lot of uh, hope, a lot of energy um, across the, the parishes of the, the 26 counties. Um, you know, our diocese is a mixture of rural and uh, urban areas. Uh, there's uh, some fairly large parishes and some rather small parishes. Uh, there's a lot going on in our Newman centers. Uh, we have a great uh, effort at vocations. We're blessed to have many religious in our, our church here in the uh, Diocese of Peoria. So there's there's a lot of activity, a lot of life, and there's a lot of hope coming back from the pandemic. Yeah, and, that's, and I do want to talk about the pandemic, but I did want to talk about this 26-county region because, as you said, you know, no two people are the same, no two Catholics are the same, really no two parishes are def definitely the same. That, that's for sure. Um, and yet, what is the same is our faith in Jesus Christ and our belief uh, in the church that he has uh, instituted and given us to carry on. Uh, and so whether I'm in a parish that's made up of just 40, 50 families, a uh, small little parish, or whether I'm at one of the larger parishes in one of the more urban areas or around our universities, uh, people are uh, faithful and, and want to live with, in, and for the Lord. And, and that's the, the beauty is to see how that then plays out 
in the different ways in which these communities come together to celebrate their faith and to share the gospel. And a week ago, you were able to uh, serve your first uh, mass as bishop um, under these lessened restrictions throughout the state of Illinois, as, as well as throughout America. Tell me, first off, what kind of a relief there is in the church now that uh, COVID appears to be waning? Well, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and uh, it's there's a lot of uh, good signs that we are moving in the right direction, but there's still a lot of concern that we need to show uh, and taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. Um, you know, the, the celebrating, celebrating Mass publicly for the first time as the diocesan bishop was a, a, a wonderful experience, a lot different from when I was ordained a bishop in the same cathedral back in July of 2020. Uh, in July of 2020, of course, there was limitations on how many people could be there. There were uh, a lot of social distancing. People were wearing masks. I myself had to wear a mask and a face shield for part of the ceremony. So um, the fact that uh, the restrictions seem to ease uh, are, and we're moving in the right direction is a good thing. Um, but I, I don't think we should uh, uh, consider ourselves completely out of the, the pandemic. Um, we're, we're learning to live more with it um, and uh, certainly learning to how we, how we can better navigate now uh, especially because of the, the blessing of having vaccines and having uh, therapeutic uh, drugs uh, that can help us to to fight off the the, the coronavirus, when, you know, if if it were to, if we were to get it. But what a crushing impact it had for the last two years for the faithful of all faiths. The fact that yes. you couldn't gather for funerals. The fact that you know there were limitations when it came to baptisms, even communion. All the things that I think in so many ways we took for granted really we had to question over the last two years. Yes. You know, it, 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 the experience that uh, we've all shared in the last two years has really changed the way we live. Uh, and uh, we, we hear a lot of talk about going back to normal. Uh, it's a new normal. It's not the same normal. Um, the, the experience of living through a pandemic reshapes how we live our life. And Certainly, we, we struggled uh, and, and so often had to make decisions so quickly because things were changing so rapidly as uh, the pandemic began and we were just learning what we were dealing with. Um, some of those decisions uh, were so important and were the right decisions to help us stay safe. Um, along the way, I'm sure there were other decisions that perhaps uh, we might look back in hindsight and say, well, maybe that wasn't necessary or we could have done it differently. Uh, but it has reshaped uh, how we live our life and, and, you know, as we can look back and see what we lost, which we did lose a lot. Uh, most importantly, we lost people's lives. Uh, but, you know, we also can look back and see what we have gained. Uh, we've gained an awareness of how much we need each other, how much we have to uh, care for one another, how much uh, our human uh, nature wants to be with the other people. Um, and that cannot be replaced by uh, even as we're doing this interview over Zoom. I mean, the, the physical uh, proximity, the closeness that we need uh, to be around people, to, to show them love and support and, and uh, compassion, and, and we need that ourselves, uh, that cannot be replaced via a computer or a phone uh, or, or even through a window. You know, we, we, we need to be around each other. So there's a lot of good things that have come out of uh, the pandemic that... Uh, you know, and perhaps one of the best things is that awareness of our, our desire to be with each other and to 
to uh, you know actually physically be with each other, be close to one another, uh, to to have a good relationship. And does it not? I mean, in, in times of personal crisis, perhaps build our faith even stronger. Absolutely. Uh, there's many stories uh, stories that I've encountered uh, with people who um, perhaps have fallen away from their faith, perhaps not even ever been experienced, uh, exposed to a faith life that uh, when you're confronted with existen existential questions, uh, when you're confronted with the reality of your world not being what you're used to, um, that that helps you to step back and, and ask the bigger questions. What is my purpose? Who am I? Uh, and who does God want me to be? And so in many ways, um, the experience of the pandemic has invited people into a deeper experience of faith and perhaps for some even just opened it up for them as a, as a new possibility in their life. As you so well know, Catholic Church has been facing so many struggles in keeping the faithful, going to church, uh, having their families go to uh, Catholic schools as well. You've seen declining enrollments. We've seen it in the Quad City area. Um, talk me through that as far as your plans for the future, perhaps specifically for schools such as Alleman High School that has seen a large decrease in student attendance. Well, I, I would uh, back that up and say that, you know, there's been a decrease uh, in participation in uh, uh, people's faith, um, not just the Catholic faith, but across all faith traditions. Um, that decline has been going on for decades. Um, you know, people tend to have become much more individualistic, uh, thinking they can do it on their own, live without God. If they're going to live without God, that usually means they're going to live without a church or faith tradition. Uh, the pandemic only heightened that reality. Um, and as the Holy Father reminds us quite often, we are living in um, a, a new age, a, a new apostolic age, a change of the ages, because uh, what we can rely on in the past has shifted because the world has moved so much uh, in a different direction uh, today. Um, and so our, our task of bringing people to church is first a task of bringing people to God, uh, that personal encounter with Jesus Christ that, that transforms them, that they, they realize how much God loves them and cares for them, uh, that makes all the difference in, in, in going day to day. Uh, when that gets, uh, you know, moved further on into living a, as a part of a faith community, um, participating in worship of God, uh, that obviously has to, you know, become central to to who we are if we are going to say that we are a follower of God, follower of Jesus Christ. Um, furthering that out into the mission that the church has uh, to teach the faith and in, in our schools, uh, we certainly have to uh, continue to invite people into that reality and that possibility. Um, there's talking specifically about Alleman High School up in the Quad Cities area. Uh, Alleman, along with the uh, uh, four others. Uh, four others of our. Uh, we have six Catholic high schools. One of the pro high schools, Central Catholic in Bloomington, already did a strategic planning process a couple of years ago. But the other five high schools, including Alleman, have been working on a strategic plan process over the last uh, seven, eight months, and that's uh, nearing completion. And so they have a, hopefully a good plan on how to grow the the school for the future and make it sustainable. Um, and most importantly, uh, keep it true to the mission of its Catholic identity, that it's a, not just a school to go learn about math and science and 
you know, the many subjects that fill up the school day, but most importantly, learn to be a place where people encounter Jesus Christ and want to live their life for Christ. You do believe that there is still growth potential then inside of uh, parochial schools uh, run by the diocese? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, um, we will have to look at our schools and, uh, you know, evaluate them, each of them, whether it's the uh, six high schools or uh, whether it's the 36 grammar schools that are in the diocese. Um, you, you know, the cost of educating a student continues to rise. Um, the re responsibilities and requirements that schools have to deal with, um, you know, and sometimes called unfunded mandates and that, those continue to be a reality. Um, so, you know, we have challenges we face, but there is a desire for people uh, to provide their children, uh, not just a, a good education, but a good Catholic education, uh, to provide them an environment where their children can go and learn about their faith, learn to live out their faith uh, in a context that uh, helps them to, to really shape their life for uh, being a disciple of Jesus for the rest of their lives. So when somebody comes walking up to you, do they say, good morning, His Excellency, the Most Reverend Louis Tilka, or do they still call you, because you're going by Bishop Lou. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, the, depending on the situation and depending on the person, they, they will address me uh, in, in different manners. So uh, my title is Most Reverend. Um, the office I hold is Bishop. Um, uh, one of the uh, more traditional uh, references is Your Excellency. Um, you know, so uh, I'm comfortable being addressed. Uh, however, the person feels they need to address me sometimes because of the office, they want it to be more formal. Um, but I'm also very, uh, you know, I'm just a regular guy. So, um, uh, you know, Bishop Lou is, is the way that I, I um, most often refer to myself or uh, encounter people uh, because I want people to know that they can relate to me. Um, you know, I, I'm no different than anybody else. Uh, and so uh, I just have this responsibility given to me and, and yet I want to be able to be personable and uh, approachable and so for me, using uh, my first name uh, that my parents gave me is a way that uh, I think hopefully creates a sense of, that, that I can be uh, approachable to people. Our thanks to the new bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Peoria, the Most Reverend Louis Tilka. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens.